So Money episode 359, So Money Millennial, Kevin Alusala. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wix.com. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 75 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, and even video backgrounds, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. The site empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. How are you enjoying Millennial Week? Rounding us off this week is my next guest, Kevin Olusala. If you are an acapella fan, then you might even know Kevin because he is part of an acapella group that has gone platinum. He is a member of the Grammy-winning vocal quintet Pentatonics. Kevin Alusala is here, or KO as he goes by. He is the beatboxer for the group. And since bursting onto the music scene in 2011, the group has sold more than 2.7 million albums in the U.S. alone. They won a Grammy and Pentatonix has played for sold out venues worldwide. You may actually recognize them from their performance in the popular movie Pitch Perfect 2. Now more about Kevin specifically and why I wanted him to be on the show and why he's so money. From an early age, Kevin began learning how to play the piano, the cello, and the saxophone. He went to Yale where he was pre-med and also majored in East Asian studies. And while he was there, he began developing this thing called cello boxing. And in 2001, he created a YouTube video that went viral about cello boxing. It was featured on CBS, AOL, Huffington Post, among many other websites. He was also named one of the 100 history makers in the making by NBC's The Griot and was hand-selected by Quincy Jones to represent him in concert at the 2012 Montreux Jazz Festival. Pentatonics was also the first acapella group to receive Forbes 30 under 30. All five members uh, made the list and Kevin is here with us today talking about, well, how you break it into the music world, how YouTube actually helped them launch their careers. The disappointment that his parents experienced when they learned their son was not going to become a doctor and pursue acapella. And what he is learning from Quincy Jones, someone he considers to be his mentor. Here we go. Kevin Alusala. Kevin Alusala, welcome to So Money, Pentatonics taking over the world. You are music royalty right now. Welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. And that's so kind of you to say all those things. I mean, we're I just feel very blessed to be on this journey, uh, and it's been an amazing one for sure. 
Well, I want to get into that journey. I'm so envious and so admiring of everything that you've put out so far as a young person trying to break through in the music world. I love this story that you have, you and, and your, um, I guess your acapella group, your teammates, what would you call them? Your, your singing teammates or what's the term? Your, your <laughs> my bandmates. Your, your bandmates. Band Are you, cause do you play instrument? Yeah. You also, I know you play the cello and you're very instrumental. You guys got dropped by your record label, right? Yeah. What happened was that uh, we won the sing off this TV show on NBC for acapella and right after we won, we got signed to Epic Records, but then immediately afterwards, we got dropped by the label. Um, we just didn't, I, I think it was not necessarily a place where we felt like we could collaborate, and we weren't sure if uh, they took what we were doing seriously. Um, so it was it was kind of a blessing in disguise, because that meant we could kind of forge our own path and learn more about who we were as musicians, first and foremost. And so you took to YouTube, and a billion views later... A billion. Here we are. I think you guys went, is it right? You went platinum last year? Yeah, we went platinum last year for our Christmas album. That's incredible. Well, let's go back in time a little bit, Kevin. You uh, probably never thought you'd be here, right? You were at Yale majoring in East Asian studies. What did you want to be? Well, actually, I was I was an East Asian studies major, but I was also pre-med. Um, you know, my dad's from Nigeria, my mom's from Grenada. And my dad's a psychiatrist and my mom's a nurse. So my my goal was to be a doctor, but continuously do the things that I love, like music and Chinese. And at one point, I thought that I was going to be a, a, a doctor in China serving there. Um, so, you know, so that's what I thought I was going to be doing. Are you um, maybe going to go back to that at some point? Or are you trying to really pursue music and see how far you can go? <laughs> you know, I think now I, I've realized how much I love music. And, and I feel like I've started to understand what's unique about what I do as a musician. And so I kind of want to continue uh, projecting that to the world and, and, and figuring out what makes me tick musically because I, I love it. And music has such a reach that uh, I want to be a part of. You said briefly that after you were dropped from your label, it was an opportunity in disguise. Your group was able to have a powwow, figure out strategy. How were you going to be unique and stand out? What was that process like for you and your bandmates? Um, what? How did you ultimately decide your next steps? And um, yeah, take me take me to that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the great thing is that we had a great team uh, around us, especially with our manager, Jonathan Calter. He told us, you know, I think, you know, this is a great opportunity for you guys to showcase who you are um, unapologetically without anybody telling you who you should be uh, and building the fan base that you want to build. And YouTube is an amazing resource for that. I mean, it, it, users of YouTube is, is growing exponentially. And so we thought that with what we do, you know, acapella is not something that you have to uh, just here, but you need to see happen because you're not going to believe that the bass singer is singing that low or me with the beatboxing that all the beats are coming from my mouth. And so we thought that YouTube would be a great way to do that. And we kind of started to figure out what people loved and, and didn't like about our music videos. Um, and we just continued to hone in on, on, on those strengths um, in addition to how we arrange. Um, and it was great because it got to a point where, I mean, now we've probably done more than 150 arrangements in our career. You're from Owensboro, Kentucky. You've seen probably more of the world now than most people do at age 80 because your music has <laughs> taken you so many places. What's the, what 
tell me your favorite part of all of this. I can only imagine that every day is different. You guys, this career has taken you to incredible locations, meeting amazing people that you only maybe have before read about or seen on TV. Now you're considered part of the mix. But what's for you the the most special part of this? Oh my gosh. I think think one of the coolest things about this job is that no day is the same. You know, there's, you know, it, it, it's continuously changing from going on tour to coming back to um, your your home and, and working in the studio on music to working in the studio out to, on tour itself to performing on award shows, you know, to traveling around the world and, and meeting different people like dignitaries and other musicians and, and fans. You know, just to be able to do that is truly a blessing. And, and, and to have a very... Um, uh, to have a life that is continuously changing fluidly is really, really amazing. And I'm so thankful for that. I think the other thing is to be able to, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think one of the things that we get to do is is learn about ourselves and figure out what makes us tick and you know, what are our strengths and weaknesses. And, and, and the most humbling way to do that is by being an entrepreneur because your success rides on your ideas, on your creativity, your uniqueness, and understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are and, 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 and finding the other people that can help you realize the dreams and the goals that you might collectively have. So, you know, understanding yourself is such a cool part of this journey as well. And I feel such profoundness. I mean, you you have, I feel like, aged 10 years in the two years that you've had this this phenomenal success. And now you're talking about how entrepreneurship is really the way and... But going back four years, you know, when you were, say, in college, I don't remember how long ago you were in college, but the path that you were thinking you were going to take was much different. You've changed your mind a lot. Is that do you attribute it to basically this opportunity that you've been riding and, and or did you always see yourself being entrepreneurial? Oh, no, I, I didn't think I had an entrepreneurial bone in my body, to be completely honest <laughs> with you. But the things that I knew was that I could study well and I could practice, you know, with my cello and, you know, practicing uh, language, for example, Chinese, I think both of the skill sets are very comparable. And so, you know, and that, and once again, with studying, same thing, if I can study something, I'll be good at it. And so that's what I thought I could do, but I didn't think entrepreneurship fell into the same, same, same category for me because entrepreneurship, it seems that you have to have a certain guts and inherent feeling about certain things and, you know, to be able to look at the world around you and to be able to analyze um, and, and, and these things that I truly, to be completely honest, didn't think I had I had the skills to do. Um, but, you know, I think as I decided to become an entrepreneur, I think those traits started to grow and they became an acquired skill set. I don't necessarily know if it was something that was inherent in me, but I just continuously looked up to people that I saw that were great entrepreneurs in music and in so many different fields and tried to understand what was it about the entrepreneurial spirit and their skill set that I could take and, 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 and learn from. What are you learning the most in this journey? You mentioned in Forbes that, and by the way, we should mention that Pentatonix, uh, first acapella group to receive 30 under 30. Um, Quincy Jones, you said, is your dream mentor. What is it about Quincy that you admire and do you hope to follow in his footsteps? Well, well, the first first thing is I love Quincy Jones. He's somebody that I've actually had the pleasure to work with. I um, He tweeted me um, in February of 2012 and asked me to go to his home. And so I went to his home and I played for him. And then 
he asked me to do, um, go around the world with him to perform. And so I did that in Marshall, Switzerland. I did concerts. Um, I did, uh, I, I did other things for him, like recordings. And so he's somebody who I really admire and I love his team. And the thing that I love about him after reading his autobiography is that he was somebody that was such a voracious learner and, 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 and a, and a student of all different types of things, not just music, but of politics, of economics, of how he can utilize his gifts and talents to, to, to better this world. And that's something that I've, I've always loved because I think you know, as a musician, you know, your, the money you make, if you will, might not come from just, just touring. It could come from songwriting. It could come from producing. It could come from, you know, writing songs for TV shows. And he did it all. That's the coolest thing about it. He did it all. And he did it so well because he was such a voracious learner. And that's something that I've always admired about him. And it's something that I've always, you know, tried to pride myself in and try to continuously be a student of him for that. You've done a lot of interviews, I, I would sus- I suspect, in the last year, given the fame and notoriety of Pentatonix. But in this show, we're going to talk a little bit about something that you probably never have talked about, and that's money, personal finances. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you brave soul. You decided to come on this show and unleash your financial ideas and habits and perspective. So let's let's get to that aspect of your life. Kevin, what would you say is your money mantra if you have one? Yeah, you know what? I would probably say it's make your money work for you so that you can do your life's work. And what I, what I mean by that is that money is I think to me is 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 an opportunity to be able to be financially stable so that I can do the things that I believe I'm called to do, whether it's music, whether it's um, doing anything in cultural diplomacy, I want to be able to be financially stable so that I can continuously do those things that I believe is my life's work and I can give my whole self to those things. So that's why I always say I need to make my money work for me um, in terms of unearned income, in terms of investing, so that I'm able to do those things. Pentatonics has gone platinum, which means you sold over a million, right? A million uh, or a million records or downloads. And yes, right. And um, was there also a Grammy on your resume? Yes. I wow. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, in just feed our uh, our curiosity here how's what's the money like i mean you have to tell us numbers but are you are you as pentatonics rolling in the dough like how does the, how does that world work as far as success and money i'm sure there are a lot of people you have to pay and uh you know when you are with a label that's potentially uh, money that you have to pay off the bat but how does it work with your pay i mean do you get a paycheck regularly or you just sort of have to wait long periods of time before the money comes in? How do you manage your money as well? Right. I mean, well, I feel like as entrepreneurs, you know, sometimes kind of you're living by when certain things happen. And so when we're on tour, you know, after the tour, you settle the tour and then you figure out how much is made and then it's split evenly amongst us. Or, you know, with, with songwriting or, or, or album sales, it's the same thing. You, you wait for a certain period of time, usually quarterly. And then after that, you figure out how much comes in and then you split accordingly. So, you know, I think that's kind of how we've done it in terms of that sense. But, you know, the great thing about running a business is that, you, yes, you get to employ people to help you do your do what you do best. 
And, and, and that's such an important thing because, you know, a lot of people, I think, say, you know what, let's, you know, we can figure this out ourselves. We can just do this on our own. When I think they're sometimes missing out on a great opportunity to employ people that are so good at a certain skill set um, to help you run your business more effectively. So I think that's one of the things that we've definitely done. Try to figure out those people that can help us run our business effectively, whether it's a label in terms of promoting our album, a manager that can help figure out how we can um, do all the different products of our life. Um, you know, whether it's our touring crew, whether it's our um, songwriting crew, you know, you need all these people to help you do those things. And yes, you know, obviously it's costly, but at the end of the day, it's going to help you do what you do best and, and help the o- overall financial goal of your team so much better. So, you know, we're, we're blessed. We're blessed to be in the, in the monetary position that we're in. You're, you're a five member group and that has to mean that sometimes you don't always agree on things. How do the, how does the group problem solve and how do you ultimately proceed with decisions, big decisions, if there's somebody who's on the fence, um, that it's you, in some ways you're very lucky in that you have been so successful with five members because that's, you know, how does the band keep it together? I guess is my question. No, completely. That's a, and that's a very, very important question because there's definitely a lot of times we disagree you know, creatively, uh, about how certain things should go on tour, you know, it, we definitely disagree. But I think that for us actually is one of the most important things about what we do. It's because of those dis- disagreements, we can figure out what will work better. And because of that, we finally will come to a, a consensus on what is best for the piece of music or for the band. And we all finally, you know, when we know we get to that, that solution, we know we've thought about every single possibility. Uh, and so we just, we really talk it out. I mean, we talk it out and we're very honest with each other, which is so important during conversation. Say exactly what you want to say, respectfully, obviously, but definitely say what you need to say to make sure your point gets across. Um, and, you know, we, I think we're, we're, all, we're all very good at understanding each other and what we all want. Um, and so we can could, could figure out and come to a common, common, common ground for, for what's best for the band. Like I said, I feel like the experiences your group has had in the last couple of years, um, it's priceless. You've, you've been exposed to so much. You've had to make some really big decisions. You've traveled the world. You've, um, I feel like, uh, you're 30 under 30, but maybe you're like going on 40 as far as, (laughs) (laughs) as far as like you're, you're just, your, uh, exposure to the world. It's amazing. What an experience. Okay. Tell me this. You talk about how you, your parents are, are really your role models. What was your experience as a kid growing up as far as your introduction to money? What's your biggest money memory as a kid growing up? No, that's a good question. I mean, I, I would say it probably falls in line with my same mantra in terms of making your money, money, making your money work for you, right? And so my dad, he's somebody that loved the stock market. You know, it's something that he could continuously studying whenever I was younger and he obviously still does now. And so I remember just sitting on his lap and him just teaching me, Hey Kevin, I want to show you about the stock. I want to show you how this works. You know, and one of the things he always taught me was that, you know, the graphs don't lie. You know, so he would he would look he would maybe look at the Bollinger bonds, he would maybe look at the Maccabee, he'd maybe look at the slow the slow stochastic. I can't even say that word very well. But, you know, he made me research these things and look at him and say, okay, what should be the next step? Should we sell this? Should we keep it? 
So what does it look like in the long term? And he made me analyze it so I can get a better understanding of that. And he says those graphs will lie in terms of how you can make your next decision. And so that's something that I always remember. So you know, something that I, I, I really appreciated about from him about understanding how to invest your money and wow. how important you know, making your money work for you is. I think you're one of the first guests I've had who has said that growing up, their parents taught them about investing. I think... That's usually at the end of this episode, I ask, what's one thing you wish you had learned about money growing up? And everyone's like, investing, compound interest, the stock market. Wow. That's amazing that you had that uh, introduction at such a young age. Do you invest your money now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in stocks, um, I'm thinking, I, in real estate, uh, things like that. And, you know, and also, I think investing person in my personal self. And when I, say, when I say that, I think that's something that I've always learned from people like you know, reading about Oprah, you know, investing in yourself is so important. So that means, you know, finding books to read that are self-help books. If you, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people or, or autobiographies of you know, people that you really enjoy. You know, for myself right now, I'm learning a new music program called Ableton, which allows you to produce music on the fly. So it's a great tool for live music. So I'm learning that now because I'm thinking about my own musical career and I'd like to be able to do that with my own shows. And then in addition, you know, I'm songwriting a lot, uh, not just for the band. And so I study a lot of musicians and try to understand what they do. And so, you know, that, that takes time and money, obviously. And also I'm, I'm writing an album at this very moment for oh my myself. Gosh. And I've been taking a lot of vo- like voice lessons. And, you know, obviously that's costly too. But, you know, I feel like for the next step of where I want to go, that's really important. So, you know, personal investing is such an important thing because you if you invest in yourself, you can never go wrong. Would that be your biggest advice for millennials? It's for me, I think that's something that I always tell young people, people who are younger than me, that use your 20s to really take advantage of the fact that chances are you don't have a big family that you're, you know, that you're financially uh, supporting, you know, that you, it's really just you. And so be selfish, take advantage of that, fuel your brain, get all the experiences you can travel. Um, and, And I think that's really what the 20s should be dedicated to. What would you say to that? I completely agree. It's crazy to me how many how many people I see that kind of just sit around and maybe just watch lots of TV or, you know, are idle. And I, and I just keep thinking to myself, man, there's so many opportunities to read. There's so many opportunities to learn about something, to learn about social media, to learn about a different instrument. And, and not that everything has to be towards your main goal. However, you know, all these different ideas that you learn, you have no idea how they're going to help you. And so I just feel like just take the time to get all the experiences and the, and the, and, and, and the, the life lessons and the, and the tools that you feel like you're going to want as, as an individual, especially when it comes to money. I mean, I, I really take the time to read a lot, whether it's, you know, a real estate book, whether it's about things like Michael Jackson, Inc., this book that was written by actually a Forbes guy named Zach Greenberg who went to Yale about how Michael Jackson built his business. And it's, a, it's an over a $1 billion business, wow. as, even after his death. So understanding those things, I think, is so important because then it gives you kind of an idea and sparks your brain in terms of how you want to personally live your life and how you might want to be your own entrepreneur or whatever type of, type of success you want in life. I think it's such an important thing to do. Reading. Who who knew? Reading books. Um, I just bought the book, The One Thing, which I know I'm really late to read, but uh, I really... I don't even know about that book. What is that? It's basically a book... Uh, uh, I, I, the last name of the author is um, 
It's the, it's like one of the founders of Keller Williams Real Estate Agency, which is one. She's like one of the biggest, if not the biggest, real estate agency in the country by sales. I definitely know them. Okay, I definitely know them. Yes, you know the name. So uh, the author's name escapes me, but basically, it's about how multitasking is not productive, that the way to succeed in life is to have focus and sharp focus specifically on one thing at a time and um, how that can create a massive domino effect in your life. And it's hard for people to really, I think, embrace that philosophy just because we're raised multitaskers are heroes, you know, where we, it's like a bragging, right? Well, I was able to accomplish eight things at once, but uh, his theory is that it's not even just his theory. He pulls out a lot of data and study that, you know, actually when your brain cannot, does not have the capacity to do multiple things at once well or, um, in complete to completion. So, um, while we may feel it's tough to just focus on one thing at a time, because we feel like we're giving up on so many other things that actually can be, um, lead you to greater success. It's very interesting. Um, and again, it's not a new book. It's like, it was a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller. Um, it was a number one Amazon bestseller. It was on the New York Times bestselling list. And it was, it's was it been around for a few years, but I just finally got a chance to read it. I was at the airport and, you know, I needed some plain reading. So I, I spent a lot of money on the book. I probably could have gotten it for cheaper on Amazon, but I bought it in one of those stores. And um, so I will, I will be finishing this one because I feel like I need to get my money's worth. Uh, but anyway, wow. I digress. Tell me about your biggest financial failure because you can't be perfect. Oh, man. yeah, no, I, that's very true. I think one of them is I think as the band got more successful, I, I, I think one of the things I didn't do well was, was budget. It's something that I didn't really do in the beginning. And I think I was just kind of one of those people who was like, oh, it'll be okay, you know, money will come. And then I'll never forget, there was one time I can think of when, you know, we there's this jacket that I wanted that our stylist um, presented to us. And it was a crazy amount of money, like crazy. And I saw it, and I was like, ooh, I want it, but I didn't even give any thought to how much it cost. And then, you know, I looked at the bill, and I was like, wait, I bought that? Now, granted, I use it a lot, but still, I was like, I mean, I'm not going to use it for that much, but, you know, it's just one of those things where I didn't realize how important budgeting is. Um, and so that's something that now I'm trying to do a lot better, um, especially this year. That's been kind of one of my mantras. Um, and so, yeah, budgeting is something that I'm trying to do because before, boy, I did not do that. I know. It's amazing what happens when you actually look at your bills <laughs> or you look at your statements. Yeah, You're exactly. like, wait a minute. I spent how much money on Uber last month? Yeah. Exactly. Well, Uber- for me, like I love to go out for dinner with like friends and stuff. And granted, a lot of it, I, you know, I, I always try to make sure a lot of times I'm going out with friends that I know are, you know, are business people that I would, I would hang out with anyway. And so obviously it's a business expense that way. So I always try to make sure that's the case for a lot of the times. Um, but you know, even so those bills can rack up. And so it's just, it's just difficult. Okay. Let's talk success. Your number one, so money moment. Oh my gosh. Um, I would probably say it's when I paid off my college loans. It was, it was last year. Um, when I got to do that beginning of the year, because, you know, once again, we went platinum and with that, you know, we, we got the money for, for what we, what we made off the Christmas album, I was able just to pay it all off. And I was just so, 
so thankful because that's such a big debt. And, you know, I, I went to Yale for undergrad. I also went to boarding school. And so to finally be able to do that, it was such a weight off my shoulders because now I finally thought, okay, now I can finally start um, investing in the things that I want to invest in, whether it be real estate or more stocks or, you know, maybe it's tech, VC. You know, just I, finally I get that opportunity to do that. How about your number one money habit? What's something that you practice consciously that you do it because it helps you with your money management? You know what? One of the things that I've, I've done, which I'm really happy about, is that I've I started, well, I started doing it last year. But, and, and it's basically looking at your net worth. I was, I was reading an investing book, and it talked about you know, kind of looking at your net worth monthly saying, you know, how much you've made, how much you might have lost, looking looking at all your assets, looking at all your liabilities, whether they're long-term or short-term liabilities and assets. And it gives you kind of an understanding of your whole financial picture. And that kind of informs me in terms of, okay, well, back if I need to budget this much for my recording project, budget this much for, um, you know, for food and things like that. And it helps me curb my spending a little bit better. So I think looking at your net worth very often and understanding, okay, well, where do I want to be at the end of this year? Mm. What do I need to do to get there? That's something that's been really helpful. Do you use any tools? What are your favorite apps or budgeting tools, if you have any? Oh, my gosh. There's obviously mid.com. Um, there's one uh, that I've been really enjoying, not in terms of you know money management, but for understanding investing. Um, it's, uh, it's a real estate app. I cannot even think of the name right now. It's so crazy. But it, it, it's, it's all about real estate. Um, there's one called LoopNet that I really love. Um, Redfin, Zillow, obviously, just looking at places and just kind of understanding different real estate markets. I love doing that. Um, I mean, CNBC, I like looking at that at times. I think uh, you're my brother from another yeah, mother. I, I think. <laughs> oh, really? I'm obsessed with real estate. I don't own, oh I, I have one home, but I, I just love looking at homes, the interior of homes, looking at prices, imagining myself living there. I think I was a real estate agent in a former life, or that is something that I will be in the future. I just love it too. It's my favorite section of the New York Times uh, in uh, on the weekends. I just, um, I'm obsessed. Oh my gosh. I am right there with you. I mean, I love reading about it. I mean, I the thing I love is that you know, after starting to understand how real estate works a little bit, I started reading so much about different real estate investors. And, you know, one thing that, that, that um, Warren Buffett talked about, he, I, he, I don't know how much of a real estate investor he is, but I know one thing he said is that you know, compared to appreciation, I think the most important thing is making sure cash flow is, so, is, is continuously and readily available. And so that's something that I've always kept in mind. So, you know, that's why for me personally, you know, I understand people might buy houses and things like that, fix them up, and then also, also sell them. But the thing I personally love more is the idea of, of you know, investing whether it's commercial real estate or something like that and continuously getting cash flow, knowing that this place is going to appreciate, but that cash flow is so important and, and to have readily, you know, capitally available to do other things with it, whether it's invest in the stock market or other things, you know, whether it's to pay off your child's, you know, tuition for private school, if you will, you know, that capital is so important. Yes, for sure. Okay, let's do some so money fill in the blanks, Kevin. You've been such a fun and uh, inspiring guest. Let's see what your uh, train of thought, where your train of thought leads you on these uh, sentences. Okay, if I won a million dollars, or if I won the lottery, rather, if I won the lottery, because 
that's more than a million. And if you were paying attention to the last uh, lottery, it was like over a billion dollars. But if let's say you won the lottery, I know, I know right? Did you buy a ticket? No, I did not. Neither it's did funny I. Enough, one of our members bought like 30 tickets and he didn't win anything. He was so sad. <laughs> that's interesting. Which one? Which one of the pentatoni, the pentatoni bought oh, a, a ticket? It was... <laughs> It was Scott. He bought like thirty tickets. I saw it on Twitter, and I was like, "Really, dude?" That's do you think? Crazy. Do you think he would have used? Do you think he would have shared the money? Mm, I don't know. I don't think <laughs> he so. would have been out. He would have been like, <laughs> "Pentatonix is now down to four members." Um, <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. So, if you won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing you would do is the first thing I would do is pay off all the debts that my family has in general. Oh my gosh! If I can do that. I know that'll make my whole family happy. And my, my brother, he's at Columbia for medical school, and my sister, she's at University of Kentucky for pharmacy school. So, like, just paying off all those debts would be great so they don't have to even think about it anymore. Your parents must be so proud beside themselves just to think that their children have become so accomplished. Tell me, though, was your mom a little bummed or your dad a little bummed that you didn't become a doctor? <laughs> that's oh, my God. Like he every parent's he was, dream. He was he was so confused. But <laughs> like, I spent all this money for you to go to boarding school at Andover, for you to go to Yale for undergrad, and now you're deciding to go to music? That makes no sense. You oh, know, gosh. there's no guarantee. And, you know, he, he's obviously, that's kind of, I think, culturally a mentality when it comes to um, foreigners coming to the United States. So it was very difficult for him to get on board at first. Mm. But once he started to see that, once again, as an entrepreneur, I had a, a unique way of thinking about music with cello and beatboxing and then with, with pentatonics, and he saw the success starting to unfold, he was completely on board. Yeah, I knew that question was going to get an interesting answer because uh, your, parents oh, yeah. are, your parents are immigrants, minor immigrants. And likewise, in my household, education was number one. I don't know what my parents would have said if, even though, you know, you've had, you've had the ultimate success with someone who's pursuing music at, at, in such a short period of time, but there's something about saying that our son is a doctor <laughs> that <laughs> it's not quite the same as saying like, he's in an acapella group. And especially for like an immigrant family where there's like, not like, what are they going to tell their friends? What are they going to tell their friends? You know? Exactly. Oh, my goodness. You do not have to tell did I, did I hit a nerve? Yes. Like, oh, yeah. My son. Exactly. It's so hard. But, I mean, that's why, like, I, I'm very, very excited for the path and the success because I hope this is a, 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 an invitation to show so many people who feel like they have those gifts, who have the same type of cultural background, that if you really believe in what you have, and not only that, you really think you're thinking about it in a very different and unique manner, that could change the way people do things, then try it. At least try it and at least go for it. Yeah. All right. How about this? One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Oh, my gosh. I would say probably the self-help books. I mean, just reading about how you can do things better and how you can be more efficient as a person. Oh, my gosh. I think it's great. And so and people need to do it a lot more. My biggest splurge that I spend a lot of money on, but I love it and I wouldn't have it any other way is. Oh my gosh. I would say, <laughs> I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure. It either be food or, or travel because I love traveling. I, you know, I, I this, uh, this break actually took my girlfriend to Disney World and it was really, really fun. And, you know, obviously it was a lot, but it was, it was such a cool thing to have that experience. 
And like, you just cannot take away those types of experiences. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to splurge. I don't care. It's New Year's. Let me have fun. Let's do it. I think I would agree. Food and travel are my my two biggest areas. All right. Um, One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up. I know this isn't investing. So was there anything that you wish you had learned at an earlier age? Man, when it comes to money, I wish it was about, honestly, how interest could eat up your life if you are on the wrong side of the interest kind of board. I didn't realize how... (laughs) Man, just with loans and things like that, I was like, oh my gosh, I paid so much more than I than I originally thought I was going to pay, just because interest is a beast. It is. But you know, you're talking student loans, so at least it wasn't like credit card debt, which has a lot higher interest. Right, completely. But but still, I mean, you know, even if it's a lower percentage, it's still a lower percentage of tens of thousands of dollars, so it's still a good amount of money. Okay, when I donate, I like to give to blank because? Oh, man, I like to give to charitable organizations. For example, like um, there's one called the Adventist Disaster Relief Agency just because I love the work that they do. Um, UNICEF, I think just what they do is absolutely incredible because, you know, when you have money to give and you can give it to, to a child in need or to a disaster or so that people can be in relief. I mean, absolutely. We're so blessed to be in the United States and have all these infra- all this infrastructure to be able to um, to kind of save certain situations. And a lot of people don't have that. So I'd love to invest in those people who don't have those opportunities. Okay, this is a random question, and I'm going to derail here for a second. Who are you voting for? Are you into this election right oh, now? Oh, my goodness. I do not. I don't like answering those questions because I know I'm going to get so much slack. It doesn't matter who you you talk about. So I'd I'd rather not. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) Well, as a millennial, I I don't know. Do you feel like any of these politicians are really addressing young adults? I mean, it's hard, but and I think that's kind of one of the reasons I I truly believe in entrepreneurship is because you know no matter the political situation, we need to take control of our lives. And we need to take take you know advantage of the things that we have in this country to be able to do what we want to do to be on top of the market and top of the political realm. And so that's why you know I feel like with what Pentatonix has done, with the things that I want to invest in, and and, and the other millennials what they want to do and invest in, you know, we just have to take responsibility no matter what the the situation is politically. Excellent answer. And good, good, nice way to dodge the, the question, by the way. Um, last but not least, <laughs> last but not least, I'm Kevin. And how do you pronounce your last name again? Olusala. Olusala. I'm Kevin Olusala. And I'm so money because... Oh, man. That's so funny. I love this question. I'm so money because... How do you answer that question? I'm so money yeah. because I love what money can do for people and financial freedom. All right. That's a good answer. And there's no wrong answer to that, uh, to that fill in the blank. I think that, um, you, Kevin, and your whole pentatonics group are, are such great leaders and such great, you know, um, role models for millennials and really anyone. I think your story about pursuing your passion and being strategic and working with your teammates and, investing and reading. I mean, gosh, I've learned so much from you. You are 30 under 30, but you are wise beyond your years. Congratulations and wishing you a fantastic year ahead. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate that. 
That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Mr. Kevin Alusola, his website is Kevin O L U S O L A dot com Alusola. You can also follow him on Twitter at K O L U S O L A. You might not have gotten all that down, so I encourage you to go to somebodypodcast.com where you can grab all this information. Click on Ask Farnoosh while you're there and send me your question for the Ask Farnoosh segments. Tomorrow we have a fresh episode of Ask Farnoosh. I love Millennial Week. I think that it really captures the spirit of this show and the spirit of so many of my listeners. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. See you right back here tomorrow, hopefully, and hope your day is so money.